Hey, why spend Christmas Eve waiting for some extra fat white dude to come busting through the ceiling when you can spend Christmas Eve with Mr. Son Vernal and Doom? Ho, ho, ho. Nailed it, dude. Nailed it this week. <laughs> On the first day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Bruce Springsteen. On the second day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Fleetwood Mac and Bruce Springsteen. On the third day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac and Bruce Springsteen. On the fourth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac and Bruce Springsteen. On the fifth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Alanis Morissette. Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac and Bruce Springsteen. On the sixth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette, Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac, and Bruce Springsteen. On the seventh day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Christopher Cross, CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette. Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac, and Bruce Springsteen. On the eighth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Bibby O, Christopher Cross, CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette. Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac, and Bruce Springsteen. On the ninth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Daft Punk, Bibby O, Christopher Cross, CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette, Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac, and Bruce Springsteen. On the tenth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me Chet Baker, Daft Punk, Bibby O, Christopher Cross, CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette, Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac and Bruce Springsteen. On the eleventh day of Misfits, my true love gave to me the Strokes. Chad Baker, Daft Punk, Bibby O, Christopher Cross, CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette, Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac, and Bruce Springsteen. On the twelfth day of Misfits, my true love gave to me. Twelve songs of Christmas, the Strokes, Chad Baker, Daft Punk, Bibby O, Christopher Cross, CKY in the Bahamas, Alanis Morissette, Michael Jackson, Tyler the Creator, Fleetwood Mac, and Bruce Springsteen.
Ah, <laughs> uh, dude. <laughs> Just for some info, I did not know that was coming. That was a surprise. <laughs> well done, Spencer. Dude, I was rehearsing that literally all week I so could, that I wouldn't <laughs> fuck up the order. I could hear it in your voice, actually. You were very hoarse. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant, man. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I just love that our 12th episode is the Christmas episode. It just worked perfectly. <laughs> I just Holy saw a little shit. note that it was like the 12 days of misfits. And I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> well done, Spencer. Oh, well done. shit. All right. Well, welcome to Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Stranger. I'm an actor, comedian, one of your hosts. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm also one of your hosts. And Aaron is an actor who mm. was in a Christmas show. Yes. <laughs> called Home for the Holidays. I've been in a couple Christmas shows. And believe it or not. Uh, I know I don't look the type, but this year I played Santa <laughs> for the second time of my life. I was going to say, that's a recurring role for you. Yeah, I've been Santa now twice in my life. Once while I was in university, and this was for charity. I played yeah. Santa in grade five. Nice. <laughs> I fucking killed it. They, my audition was, who could say ho, ho, ho the most believably? Mm. You want to hear it? Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. Ho, 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 for this charity event, and I thought it would be like children there. No, it was all just grown men, and they all came and sat on my lap. And it's like I, I'm a part of this little charity club thing, and we do stuff. And I was like making jokes. I was like, "Oh, you've been naughty this year. You've been vaping again." Ho 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 ho. They all sat on my lap, got a photo, gave him a gift. Yeah, dude, I got a picture with Santa yesterday, and I was smoking a cigarette. And I think that might be the first Santa picture. Or somebody was nice. smoking a dart, <laughs> nice. fucking hacking hard one. <laughs> no, I think Santa, like, I think he quits around Christmas time, but like during the year, he just like, I know he smokes a pipe. I mean, for sure, the elves got to be smoking something. Yeah, oh yeah, like they're, they're fucking going ham all the time. They got a lot of toys to make. I say they're like Santa's pumping them up with meth, dude. Yeah, like, <laughs> they got at least two billion toys to make. It's like Hitler with the Blitzkrieg, Santa with the Christmas rush. <laughs> Give them methamphetamine. Let them have it. <laughs> Oh, fuck. A bunch of Gary Coleman's running around making <laughs> making gifts. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? <laughs> oh fuck. Okay. Uh we gotta mention it again. Theme song by yes. uh by the Vitos. Thank uh, you once again. Shout out to the Vitos again. Also, Sam did that amazing MF Doom mm-hmm. fucking intro. Uh, thank God, uh, you know, even in death, MF Doom supports us. Well, Sam has a connect, and <laughs> Sam's, <laughs> Sam's, Sam's close with the big man upstairs. And also the, <laughs> the, the big man downstairs. Yeah, so he phoned in a favor. A lot of fire, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Also, very warm today. We are sitting a little close to We are the sitting fire. close to the fire, but um. that's okay, because my chestnuts need a roasting. <laughs> I don't know why they're on your chest, but that's, uh, that's a good question. Dude, whose nuts aren't on their chest? <laughs> well, that's like, what is that movie? Haven't you ever had nuts? on your chest there <laughs> what is that terrible movie movie 43 mm. where he's got the the nutsack on his chin and he's like wearing scarves <laughs> you know what's amazing is how that movie got made yeah how did that movie get made that just the fact that like that got pitched to a yeah. studio and they were like yes absolutely <laughs> like, put you jackman in the dentist Quaid. <laughs> put everybody in it let's make gerard butler an elf yeah <laughs> <laughs> put everybody in it <laughs> yeah, johnny knoxville and sean william scott yeah. Yeah. All right. Movie. So we gotta we gotta we gotta crack our Christmas beers. Yes. So yeah. these are from our official non official sponsor of the podcast, Cabin Brewing. This uh, is something else. This is something else. And you know what? 
I think it's going to be really something else. Uh, Sam said this was originally going to be called Santa's Little Helper. Mm. Um, but then due to copyright infringement. I was about to say, yeah, they got copyright stroke. Yeah, they got copyright stroke. Stroked. Uh, Ooh. Stroked. <laughs> that's, where they, that's where Santa comes down with lawyers and he pets you. <laughs> and he's like, hey, quit using my name and likeness without my permission. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought it was more like Matt groaning, mm. you know, from the from the Samsons. The Samsons. The Samsons. Ooh, this has got a really nice color, Sam. Yeah, this is uh, this is very green. A hazy IPA for the folks at home. Oh, nice. Is it is that is that a hundred percent necessary? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put it in the fire because, as you know, it's good to put aluminum in the fire. Yeah, it's good. It's All right, melting it. Cheers. Cheers to a merry Christmas and a happy new year and a happy new year and a happy new beer. Mm. Wow, that's tasty. Yeah, it's very hot. That it's very slaps nice. me right in the chesties. Right in the chesticles. Right so in the chesticles. According to you, your chestnuts. <laughs> right in my chestnuts. <laughs> All right, so before we get into uh, the 12 yes. songs of Christmas. We have a couple things to discuss. We do. We do. Yeah. We, uh, okay, so last week I had mentioned that I was going to be going to a corporate show mm. right after this, and I did. And uh, this corporate show, my first ever. I'm not exactly a corporate comedian. No. Uh it went fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, the company had hired me specifically. They wanted me specifically. They worked with my rate. They did, like, all the things that, like, you know, you should yeah. do if you're working with, like, a corporation. And uh, so, anyways, I do the party. It's great. I was contracted for 25 minutes. I ended up doing a fucking hour. Nice. I was I was having so much fun with the crowd. I tried out some new shit that, like, actually killed, which I was happy about. And uh, there was another comic who's like, let's just say... For lack of a better term, and to be nice, completely out of touch and an utter fucking dinosaur. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know, I think you're really tasteful with your choice of words there. That was very smart. I uh, think that that was that was quite the nice thing to do. So, I had responded to one of his Instagram stories and just said like, yeah, like, because he was doing a corporate, and I was like, oh, you're doing your last corporate. I'm doing my first. I guess I'm the Christmas closer. Anyways, he's like. You're doing a corporate gig? And I was like, yeah. And then he didn't respond. He left me on red. The next fucking morning, he writes a goddamn novel. It was a little passive aggressive. It was a passive aggressive. <laughs> nice way of saying it. This massive fucking blog post that didn't need to happen. Uh, that was only liked by open micers, by the way, which is really funny. Um, where he basically just goes through and he's like, you shouldn't be doing corporate. No one should be doing corporates unless they're ready for it. It took me years to get ready for corporates. You don't know how hard it is. Your low rates are undercutting everybody else's cost. Your undercutting money. is what's taking away our jobs. I'm thinking, no, it's the fact that you're fucking out of touch that's taking away your jobs. Yeah, Nobody no. thinks that you're funny, and that's what's taking away your jobs. There was, there was a couple parallels to, like... If you were in the U.S. and you were talking about immigrants and maybe a fan of Trump, it was mm. like, they're taking away our jobs. Yeah, there, <laughs> yeah. Was, there was a little bit of that. So anyways, what I thought was really funny was the post right below that post uh, was Kenny Hot saying, <laughs> <laughs> like, shouting me out yeah. that I was going to be opening for them, like, two days earlier. This is just how the Facebook algorithm is so beautiful sometimes. Anyways. So that's right below that post, and I screenshotted it and sent it to the group, and I was like, it's funny, both of these posts are about me. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then, uh, 
So <laughs> somebody else. Somebody made else made a post that was really funny. Very funny. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll shout them out because they they'll fucking go balls with it. I don't really give a fuck. Uh, Alex Byron, super funny. You might know him from TikTok. He opens yeah, for Ryan Long a bunch. Yeah. Super funny guy. He uh, he makes a post where he goes. Hey, I just want to, like, I- I'm thinking about doing some corporates this year. I don't really care. I'll do it for whatever rate. I just want to fuck around and have fun. I'll tell them I'll do clean and then work dirty and just, like, fucking makes a big-ass joke. Anyways, uh, Aaron. <laughs> I, ca- I, came to the- I came to the rescue. So nobody does my boy Spitzer dirty. Not on my watch. So I, uh, <laughs> I joined this facebook group like i went out of my way to join this facebook group and then i commented i tagged the guy who made the post about spencer and i was like hurry <laughs> there's a gate to keep here <laughs> and they deleted my comments yeah. it was so fucking good though yeah it was it was legitimately one of the funniest things i've seen and you know like here's the thing i don't want to start beef with people but if people are going to be just douchebags for no well, I, reason. I'm all for it. Yeah, then I'm just like, I've no, a, I'll shut your shit down. I've been off social media long enough now where I'm back and I'm just like <laughs> full-fledged vengeance. Like, let's argue about anything. <laughs> but I'll also say this. I made a – because I didn't respond to either of those posts, right? Mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm going to be – I'm gonna I'm gonna not give this guy the fucking Well <laughs> you brought it up on our podcast. I did, but yeah. I, I'm not gonna name who he <laughs> yes, is. Yeah, also, he's not gonna listen to this. He's too, too fucking high on his he's, own farts. He's too busy doing corporate gigs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, dude, he's he's a busy working comic. Yeah. Fucking don't give him shit, all right? <laughs> Fuck when I'm fifty years old, I also wanna be forgotten. Anyways, <laughs> um uh <laughs> Okay, go, go on. <laughs> uh, I made a post where I just basically was like, uh, instead of responding to any of that, I just made my own post where I was like, you know, talk. I talked about opening for Kenny and Smitty, and then I talked about uh, my first corporate gig being such a success <laughs> and how the company wants to hire me again and, like, how I fucking, you know, did an hour and they all loved me and all this mm. stuff. And that motherfucker liked the post, and nice. I went, yeah, you did. Nice. Yeah, you did. I fucking win this yeah. round. <laughs> well, now everybody's been caught up on the tea, <laughs> all the fun stuff that's been happening. But, yeah, it's like I said, I, I will always defend you on Facebook, Spencer, through thick and thin. I fucking love that. We got each other's <laughs> back, my boy. <laughs> Nobody me, fucks with the misfits. Me, me and my 22 friends on Facebook are coming for you. <laughs> we're coming for you. <laughs> me, my grandma, my aunts and uncles, my father, <laughs> we're coming for you. Oh, fucking hell. All right, so, Misfits on Vinyl, we usually review an album. Yes. We're doing it different this week. We sure are. It's not a recusode, although I do recommend these songs. Uh, Uh, Most of them. Some of them. Some of them. (laughs) We're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, But this week, instead of doing doing an album, we're going to do 12 pop songs. 12 pop Christmas songs yes. by popular artists or songs that have been cemented in time as an amazing Christmas anthem. Mm-hmm. And there are, uh, there are quite a few in this list. There are 12 of them. And I feel like we picked a good mix. We didn't go for all the classics. Yep. There's a couple classics in there, but there are some newer ones. Yep. Some little more off the beaten path sort of picks. Yep. And we um, did not do any Mariah Carey or Michael Bubble. No, no Michael Bubble or no Mariah Michael Bubble. Carey. But I do have a fun fact. About Mariah Carey in All I Want for Christmas. Um, that song, every single year, gets played between 70 to 100 million times 
in the Christmas season from wow. like early November until like mid January. They kind of categorize this time period. Yeah. So she like 70 to a hundred million times it gets played. She makes $16 million on average a year wow. from that one song. That's crazy. At Christmas. It's not a good song. No, but it's very, very popular. <laughs> well, think about it. How many times you hear it? Like at the mall, Oh my God. everywhere you go, they, that song is every on. fucking radio station you turn mm-hmm. on. doesn't even matter what genre they're playing. It. Yeah. And so that is my little fun fact of the day about Mariah Carey. That is insane. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So we're we're not covering all the hits, but we're covering we're covering some deep cuts. We're covering <laughs> some. <laughs> that sixteen million covers her alimony payments to Nick, <laughs> to Nick Cannon. So there you go, Nick Cannon and his seventeen children, <laughs> dude. And like, how crazy is it that like, uh, like okay, it's crazy to me that like I didn't realize that Nick Cannon had been uh, a rapper and a comedian before mm-hmm. America's Got Talent. You know. Well, I I remember watching Wild and Out when it was in its first iteration mm. on MTV Two. Mm. <laughs> so that was would have been like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I would have been yeah, yeah, been surfing the MTVs. MTV Two, you know, that's where all the really good MTV shows yeah. are. <laughs> now all MTV is uh, what is it? Rob Deerdeck, uh, yeah, whatever that shit, yeah, ridiculousness, yeah. yeah, on repeat. Oh, it's like what happened? Did you know that that actually is like one of the most syndicated shows of all time? Really, which is insane. He he makes like I think it's like three hundred mil a year from that show alone and it's terrible it's not good it's tosh.0 but less funny no it's like we're, yeah well, yeah obviously less funny than tosh.0 but it's like it's like america's funniest home videos even if the videos weren't even funny <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like watch this guy crash on his skateboard for the next half an hour and we'll yeah. repeat it and play it in slow motion look at that whoa it's going to be on for the next 140 hours on MTV. <laughs> it's like, what's next? <laughs> Ridiculousness after it's, that. It's, it, MTV has become mediocre television. Mm, yeah, not that it was ever high class. No, <laughs> but it used to at least be used, music. Yeah, yeah, back when it was music, and then they had a good era when they were doing the old 16 and pregnant. And, mm. yeah, Jersey, and the Shore. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the uh, real world. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, the real world. Actually, real world is super interesting because there was uh, the first few seasons of it were actually super revolutionary mm. and really cool. Uh, and then they saw the formula and they were like, "Let's pump it out, baby. Yep. Let's fucking keep pumping it out." <laughs> yeah, and that's where we are today. All right, so Christmas. twelve songs of Christmas. Yes, we're gonna get into it. The very first song on the list is. Let's play the jingle bells. Ching, 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 ding, 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 Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Ooh. Which is my girlfriend's favorite Christmas song. I also really like this song. I fucking really love this song. I felt like we should start out strong on this list. So this song, originally sung by Darlene Love and included on the 1963 seasonal compilation, a Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector. Now, Phil Spector, revolutionary producer, invented the music wall, also murdered Lana Clarkson. Yeah. Um, you know, not necessarily <laughs> a great, well, you know, fantastic producer. Yeah. Yeah, murderer. Maybe he shouldn't come home this Christmas. I don't think, well, he's dead now. Good. Yeah, he's he's dead as fuck. Uh, for <laughs> some God. reason, I thought that he <clears throat> looked more like Howard Stern, and then I looked at pictures of him, and he did not. No, so, I think there's the one photo where he kind of looks sternish, but. Yeah, 
And uh, but that's the only one. So I was kind of bummed about that because I thought that he looked more like Stern. Anyways, uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home was released November 22nd, 1963. Mm -hmm. Upon the release, the song did not find commercial success. But in later years, it went on to become a Christmas standard. And it charted for the first time on the Billboard Hot 100 in 2018, where it peaked at number 16. Wow. It has also peaked at number seven on the holiday chart. Uh, Okay, so <clears throat> a little bit about Darlene Love. Uh, while she was still in high school in 1957, she sang with the Echoes, which was a mixed-sex doo-wop group. She then was invited to join the little-known girl group known as the Blossoms. Now, the Blossoms were hired by Phil Spector to record He's a Rebel in 1962, and she was paid five grand for this recording. Uh, this was the first time that they worked together. So five mm. grand by today's standards with inflation would probably be about 45 grand. Nice. So, like, not bad for, like, a one-session yeah, recording, good, yeah. you know? Um, and especially because back then they didn't do residuals for basically anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's not a bad, uh, bad deal. Anyways, uh, Phil Spector originally wanted Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes to sing Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. But, uh, she didn't, uh, <clears throat> but Ronnie didn't have the emotion needed for the song. Mm. Uh, Darlene did, and it became her signature tune. She was only 22 when she recorded nice. that. I uh, I love the part of the song where it kind of switches up and like the singing deck the halls, but, but it's not like Christmas at all. And I remember when you were here and all the fun we, we had, had last year. Christmas, there's lights on the tree. Christmas, <laughs> I don't know the rest of it. I, Fucking so good though. <laughs> it's so good. It is emotional, and it's one of those Christmas love songs that are really, really good. They're actually, the good ones. Yeah, the Christmas love songs. And so. and you know what? Like, there's so much power in her voice that like mm. you can't uh, like it. Literally, she fucking takes the song. It's a it's a really good one. This is one I like to listen to at Christmas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so in 63, in Spectre decided that the song was strong enough to warrant a non-seasonal version, and he wrote a version titled Johnny Baby Please Come Home, which Love also performed. This version was released to the public in 1976 as the final track on the Spectre compilation album, Rare Masters Volume Number 2. Okay, what's really funny is that uh, Phil Spector just seemed to have a lot of, uh, let's just release compilations. <laughs> Fucking come in, sing one song, and then get the fuck out. Uh, and then he probably made all the money off of the sales, and that's why he so. paid people fucking uh, oodles in, in those. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Beginning in 1986 and continuing for 29 years, Darlene Love performed the song annually on the final new episode before Christmas of Late Night with David Letterman on NBC from 86 to 92 and The Late Show with David Letterman on CBS from 93 to 2014, 28 times in all. The only wow. time that she didn't do it was during the writer's strike when they replayed the year before. Now, uh, beginning in 2015, though, after Letterman left... The tradition of Love's annual performance of the song moved to The View on ABC, where it was from 2015 until now, uh, and it's continued to be the last edition of the new episode. Now, in December of 2010, Rolling Stone magazine ranked Christmas Baby Please Come Home first on its list of the greatest rock and roll Christmas songs and nice. noted that nobody can match her raw emotion and sheer vocal power. The song's been covered by everyone from Mariah Carey, Michael Bubble, and you 2 among others. Mm, very, very nice. Yeah. So we started strong. We gonna rank that one? Yeah. You know what? Uh, I would honestly, I'd, uh, I, I know we've only done this once before. I'd fucking give it a ten out of ten. 
Mm, I'll go a nine out of ten. Give All it right. a nine point five. Nine point five out of ten. Yeah, nine point yeah, yeah. five total. I feel like that's fair for for that one. Nine point five. This out is of in 10. the world of Christmas songs. Yes, yeah. this is in the world mm. of Christmas songs, and we're also we're, we're we're summarizing everything when we do that. Yes. The only thing that we're not doing for a lot of these is album art because a lot of times wasn't, and also. Uh, you know, the, uh, like, but reception is a part of that yes. factor for sure. Um, okay. Now, number two on the list of the 12 songs of Christmas, John Lennon's Merry Christmas, The War Is Over. <laughs> so this is Christmas. And what have you done except make a fucking awful Christmas song? Uh, okay. So this was recorded on the 28th and 31st of October in 1971 in New York and released December 1st of 71. It is Lennon's seventh single as a solo artist, and is the it is the culmination of more than two years of peak peace activism, ah, peace activism, 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 undertaken <laughs> by John Lennon and Yoko Ono, that began with the bed-ins that they conveyed in March and May of 1969, the first of which took place during their honeymoon. Now. Uh, the bed-ins are a very weird thing. Yeah, they just laid in a bed and fucking people walked around them. Very nice. weird. I don't, I, a weird dude. They were, yeah, they were strange together. They were very strange together. Uh, she's weirder without him, honestly, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, okay, so recognizing the accessibility and, and popular appeal that made this 1971 single Imagine a commercial success compared to the other songs he had released, uh, Lennon concluded, now I understand how you what you have to do. Put your political message across with a little honey. So he conceived Merry Christmas, The War Is Over as a means of elaborating upon the themes of social unity and peace change enacted through personal accountability and empowerment that served as the basis from his earlier billboard campaign, mm. trying to convey optimism while avoiding this sentimentality that he felt often characterized Christmas songs. Now, this was the first Christmas Beatles song. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, this was the first song that a Beatle released yes, okay. about Christmas. Yes, yeah. yes. The second one. Mm. Is the Paul McCartney one? Nope. No. It's, uh, it's, uh, 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 George Harrison's Ding Dong Ding Dong. Oh, Ding Dong yeah. Ding Dong. Nice. And then it's Paul McCartney. <laughs> nice. And then Ringo started his old album. Nice. Which nobody knows about. I um, didn't know about that either. Yeah. Thanks for putting <laughs> me on the spot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this song is like one of those make you feel guilty Christmas songs. Um, Usually played with a World Vision coming commercial. From a, coming from a guy that abandoned his child and beat his first wife. So yeah. Really making me feel the Christmas spirit. Making me feel the Christmas yeah. spirit. Um, now, what's really funny that you mentioned that. So the song begins with uh, spoken Christmas greetings from Ono and Lennon to their children from previous marriages. Ono whispers... And then Lennon whispers, Happy Christmas, Julian. Which I think is the only time he ever acknowledged Julian. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, I didn't know that until I was doing the research for this. And then I had to crank the music up to hear it. I still couldn't hear, hear Yoko, which is the first time that's ever happened. And was kind of a blessing, yeah. honestly. No, I you're, was like, you're, you're right with that. I yeah. was like, thank fucking God. Um, so... Now, connection to the first song. When Lennon first played this demo for Phil Spector, the producer remarked that the song's opening line, So This Is Christmas, was rhythmically identical to the 1961 single, I Love How You Love Me, by the Paris Sisters, which Spector himself had produced. Uh, at the recording studio, Lennon instructed the guitarist to incorporate mandolin-style riffs similar to the ones heard in 
Try Some, Buy Some, a single that Spectre and George Harrison had produced in February of that year for his wife, Ronnie Spectre, formerly of the Ronettes. Mm. Uh, and Spectre also uh, included percussion instruments of the sort uh, he used on the 1963 album A Christmas Gift for You, mm. which was the one that uh, Christmas Baby Please Come Home was There you on. go. Uh, this single peaked at number 36 on the Cashbox Top 100 Singles and number 28 on the Record World Singles Chart, number 3 on the Billboard Christmas Singles Chart. The single subsequently reappeared on the Billboard Christmas Charts in mm. 72, 83, 84, and 85. Nice. It's also in a lot of real sad-ass commercials. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it reminds me, it's got the same sort of Sarah McLaughlin Arms of the Angels sort of vibe. Yeah. Christmassy. It's not fun. Uh, no. Not happy. I don't like when this one comes on the radio. I don't either. I'm going to give it, I'm going to go five. I'm going to go four, 4.5 4. out yeah. of 10. You know, I, I, I think it's the, it's the, the least good Beatle Christmas song, mm. uh, which is saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You have a whole album of Ringo's. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So number three number on three. the 12 songs of Christmas. Woo! Do they know it's Christmas nah. time at all by Band-Aid? <laughs> okay, this is another one to make you feel guilty <laughs> Christmas songs. Uh, but ironically, we laugh at it, man. Yeah. The lyrics in this, this is literally something I've been talking about all Christmas season. Like, the lyrics in these songs, <laughs> this song is so, like, condescending towards the people of Ethiopia. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, really, uh, you know, not a good message to come from a bunch of multi-platinum selling artists, yeah, in my opinion. So, it was a song that was written, it's a charity song written in 84 by Bob Geldof and Midge Ewer to raise money for the 1983 to 85 famine in Ethiopia. It was first recorded by Band-Aid, which was a supergroup assembled by the two, consisting of popular British and Irish musical acts at the time. It was recorded in a single day at Sarm West Studios in Notting Hill, London in November of 84. Now, do you know who's in Band-Aid? Uh, I'm going to guess Bono. Bono is in Band-Aid. Um... The, I guess the Bob Gildoff guy. He's from Boomtown Rats, isn't he? Uh, he is, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm assuming he's in it. I think he is, yes. Okay, who else? <laughs> you, uh, you okay, so for, for vocalists, we got Bono, we got Phil Collins, who mm, also did nice. the drums on it, George Michael, and then members of Spandau Ballet, Culture Club, Duran Duran, and Cool in the mm, Gang. Culture Club, nice. Come, 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 yeah, come, come, chameleon. Nice. And then Duran Duran, that's nice. Yeah, Cool in the Gang, also pretty fucking cool, and the gang. <laughs> if they're, like, yeah, no, it's like, it's funny they got Duran Duran out of Hungry Like the Wolf. <laughs> 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 Anyways, the lyric of this, this song is terrible. Like, there's like a, the land where nothing grows, oh God, there's no so rain many. or river flows. And you know what? I really don't like like how on the fucking nose they were with. <laughs> Thank this. God it's them Not instead of, of you. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck? There won't be snow in Africa this Christmas time, which is not true. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but there are quite a few peaks in Africa that have quite a bit of snow. Yeah, well, it's a pretty fucking diverse continent with a lot of different. The only, the only bells of Christmas that ring in Africa are bells of doom. Mm. <laughs> like it's like just horrendous. And not our friend MF. <laughs> no, it's horrendous. It's fucking bad. Yeah, no. Now, do you want to hear the absolutely painstaking part? 
What? It sold a million copies in the first week, becoming the fastest-selling single in UK chart history, and it held this title until 1987 when it was overtaken by Elton John's Candle in the Wind. Uh, it sold over 2 million copies around the globe and raised more than 24 million. The supergroup's success was seen as a large increase in celebrity diplomacy and inspired similar actions of support from countries such as Canada, mm. France, nice. Spain, and the United States. The success also influenced two organizations of live benefit concerts run by a celebrity charity, and these were USA for Africa and Live Aid, mm -hmm. which were broadcast in over 160 countries. Band-Aid and Live Aid combined raised about $150 million for famine relief effort in Ethiopia. I wonder how much of that actually fucking went there. I don't know. That's a good point, but the Live Aid concert, pretty sick. Pretty fucking sick. Yeah, no. Honestly, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Just that and Live Aid. Uh, and Dire Straits there, too. They, oh, they yeah. They do Money for Nothing with Sting. That's pretty good. Mm. But, yeah, no, it's a little bit too on the nose, this one. Um, yeah. I mean, it is fucking a catchy song, though. It is catchy. It sucks that it gets stuck Do in your head. Do know it's Christmas time at all? Which also, like, doesn't really account for, like, religious beliefs in no. Ethiopia. I don't think... Although Ethiopia is a predominantly Christian country. Are they? Yeah, they are, they are a predominantly Christian country. But that being said, I... Because they're broadening it to all of Africa yeah. in this in this uh, 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 song... Um, <laughs> We've turned out the fire. Sam, the fire is gone. Can you restoke it? <laughs> Can you restoke the fire? Oh no! You know what? Fuck it. If it's if it's gone, just shut the, the TV fire. Out. The fun. fire has told it, turned into the Golden Gate Bridge. It's well, you know what? That is on fire. Mm -hmm. Um, it, uh, when they're when they're talking about Africa though as a whole, yes. they're missing out on a lot of uh, they're missing out on a lot of shit. You know, yeah, they're missing out on on uh, Muslim people. Mm -hmm. They're missing out on uh, 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 like different sects of like smaller and religions. I feel like in Africa at the time, there might have been a few more poignant issues. For it, the people living there? Whether or not, yeah, whether or not they knew about Christmas. Like civil wars? Or apartheid. I was hinting <laughs> more apartheid. Also that. Civil wars, yep. apartheid, yeah. You know, uh, there's a few things that are more important. Yeah. Also, I don't think that anybody there would really give a fuck about Christmas. I think they'd like more so to feel safe in their yeah, day to Yeah, well, they do say in the, so in the song, the only gift they get this year for Christmas is life. <laughs> so, <laughs> and according to them, their life is pretty shitty, so it's not much of a gift. Dude, we have uh, a turtle now. Oh, yeah, we do have a turtle. Uh, um, Anyway, the turtle and finding Nemo. Anyways, All I'm right. gonna give that song Wait, just because it's. Catchy. I got, I got a few things. Ah. Uh, the song reached number one in 13 countries. In the U.S., it fell short of the top 10 due to lack of airplay. Mm -hmm. uh, and in uh, the reception in December of 1984 to the original single from the U.K. press was mixed under a caption of "Turkey," which was a double meaning referring to the Christmas tradition dinner and the artistic failure. The biggest-selling music paper, Enemy, dismissed the song with a single line. Millions of dead stars write and perform rotten record for the right reasons. <laughs> In contemporary <laughs> times, the song has received mixed criticism uh, and has been described as a colonial Western-centric viewpoint and condescending stereotypical descriptions of Africa, notably the phrase sung by Bono, well, thank God 
it's it's them instead of you. Yeah, so there yep. we go. We touched on it. Yeah, no, I'm glad we're not the only ones that feel this way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the song is exactly they hit it right in the nose. It's condescending. Yeah. Yeah. It's very condescending. What what's uh what's the rating on this one? I think it's higher than. Uh, yeah, I'm giving. I was thinking more around a six, just yeah. because even though it is condescending, it's hella catchy. I, I'd give it a uh, six too. I'd give it a six. I think it's like you know it's uh, yeah it, it just it fucking gets stuck in your ear. It's a good six. Yeah, good six. All right, number four. Number four. Is Wham Last Christmas, <laughs> last baby. Last Christmas. All right. So this song recorded August of 84, released in December 84 on CBS Records internationally and as a double A side with Epic Records with everything she wants in the UK, described as a high watermark of mid 80s British synth pop uh Songcraft, and it was written and produced by George Michael. Upon its initial release in 84, Last Christmas spent five consecutive weeks at number two on the UK singles chart, and it was held off the top spot at Christmas by Band-Aid's Do They Know It's Christmas, on mm. which Michael also performed. Nice. So, uh, after many chart runs in subsequent years, which included three more weeks at number two, and which saw the record becoming part of RCA's uh, records catalog, the song finally reached number one in the UK singles chart on New Year's Day of 2021, and uh, the chart week ending on the 7th of January, and uh, that was more than 36 years after its initial release. Wow. Now, Last Christmas had its beginnings in 1983 when George Michael and Andrew Ridgely were visiting Michael's parents, and it was written by Michael in his childhood bedroom. Michael played Ridgely the introduction and chorus melody to Last Christmas, which Ridgely later called a moment of wonder. Hmm. I wonder what else they were doing in the <laughs> childhood bedroom. Making Christmas hits, Spencer. Yeah, you Get know what? Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm, it's not in the gutter. I just thought that they were putting icing on the cookies. <laughs> uh, this song is a banger it's, it's a yeah really good christmas song it's a fucking bop it 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 holds up it stands the test of time mm -hmm. um now what's crazy is uh george michael wrote performed produced and played every single instrument on the track uh with a lynn drum drum machine a roland juno 60 synth sleigh bells and that's it and they began the recording in the uh, uh in the summer uh, Michael having plastered the studio with Christmas decorations to set the mood. And the only other people in the studio were the engineer, Chris Porter, and two assistants. Nice. According to Porter, lyrically, you've got the happiness of the rhythm track, but against that, you've got the sadness of the unrequited love. Mm -hmm. I would agree. It is it is a sad Christmas song, but it's very happy in, t in tone, even though the lyrics are sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still like, it still makes me smile. I mean... You know, last Christmas he gave her a heart, and the very next day, she, she gave, gave it away. away. Must have been a hell of a deal on Boxing Day, <laughs> day on Hearts. <laughs> on Hearts that Boxing Day, there was like, oh, buy one, get one. <laughs> Going to Walmart, buy one, get one, Hearts. <laughs> last Christmas I gave you a fart, and the very next day you said I was gay. <laughs> That's very topical for this Michael, year. Yeah. I'm openly queer. <laughs> 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 okay, so on behalf of the writers of the song, uh, Can't Smile Without You, made popular by Barry Manilow. Uh, Barry Manilow. They sued 
uh, George Michael for plagiarism in the mid-80s, claiming that Last Christmas lifted its melody from the former. The case was dismissed when uh, a musicologist, which is a crazy thing. We have a brewist here, but there's a musicologist. There is such thing as a musicologist. Uh, He presented a 60-odd song catalog from the past century that had a comparable chord sequence and melody. Mm. So he got off because everyone has this this beat, you know? Okay, so Whamageddon. We got to talk about that. <laughs> it's a game played every year during the 24 days before Christmas Eve, in which players try to go from the t- December 1st to Christmas Eve, as per European traditions, on the 24th of December, which is Christmas for them, without hearing Last Christmas by Wham. If the player hears it, they have to go on social media and post hashtag Whamageddon. Uh, I love this because I fuck people with it every year. I get to, like, the 20th, and then I, I, I'll post something that's, like, on my story and I'll yeah. be like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe this. Uh, and I'll start like talking and then I'll, I'll, it'll look like it's going to fucking go into the next slide. Mm. And then as soon as the, the next video clips up, it's just last Christmas. <laughs> I gave you my heart. And I have so many people every year that go, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> well, I've already listened to it. I lost. Yeah. Um, I listened I in- to it on the drive over here and I've listened to it probably more than once. I intentionally lose that game. Cause I love it. Yeah. I know you love it. You, it's got, a, a, you got a whole shirt. It's a good song. George, Michael is my fucking daddy, okay? I like George Michael, too. I like George Michael. You gotta have faith. You You gotta gotta have faith. faith. You gotta gotta have faith, 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 faith. faith. I gotta have faith, faith, faith. Baby! (laughs) 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 It's a very sing-songy episode today. It really is. But, I mean, what is Christmas without singing? That's true. That's what they got wrong in in Do They Know It's Christmas. Are they singing in the streets? No. no. Therefore, no. it's not Christmas. No. <laughs> there's, according to them, there's probably no music in Africa either. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, especially Bono. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bono's like, where's the UN for my photo my photo op <laughs> opportunity? <laughs> I need to win another peace award. All right. So, number five on the 12 Christmas songs <laughs> of Christmas. <laughs> the 12 <laughs> misfit songs of Christmas <laughs> is It's another Beatle. Paul McCartney, ah. Wonderful Christmas Time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. We didn't, we didn't wait, wait, wham. Oh, right, wham. Ten. Uh, yeah, ten. Ten. Ten, fuck Done. it. Yeah, Done. ten. That's Done. our ten. That's Done. our ten this episode. Done. Sam, uh, you give it a ten? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He nods. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, now, number five. Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time. Mm-hmm. This was recorded August 30th, 1979, released November 16th, 1979, recorded during the sessions for his solo album, McCartney 2, and it was released in November following Wing's final album, Back to the Egg, earlier that year. Nice. It was McCartney's first solo single in over eight years since Eat at Home in 1971. Now, <clears throat> McCartney wrote the song in the key of B major, and recorded it entirely on his own. Now, during the session, guess what? What? He did vocals. Nice. He did keyboard. Nice. He did synthesizer. Nice. He did guitar. Yes. He did bass. Yes. He did drums. Uh-huh. He did percussion. Yes. He did jingle bells. Mm-hmm. And he did the production. Nice. This is a Paul McCartney fucking mega song. Well, I love this song. I, I do, too. The synth is fucking awesome at right uh, at the start. Oh! Uh, yeah. Very good tune. And you know what? An appropriate amount of jingle bells, too. Yeah, and just, like, appropriate amount of jingle bells, and then compared to Lennon, there's also a, a 
appropriate amount of politics in this song. Yeah. Which I don't think there's any. You know what? Um. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Especially for like somebody that's uber fucking rich. Yeah. Like, I don't want you to tell no, me it's, how it's I should a, believe. It's, a, it's actually done right, uh, <laughs> yeah. believe it or not. So the, they, they did it right this time around. <laughs> All right. So this song, it was the third Beatles song, as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, third Beatles single. Uh, now, it first appeared on the Billboard magazine chart in December of 84 when it peaked at number 10 for two straight weeks on the magazine's special Christmas singles chart. Mm-hmm. It next appeared uh, in 1996 when it was sung, uh, when the song both debuted and peaked at number 29 on the magazine's adult contemporary and, uh, and the holiday charts. Uh, and it peaked at number 28 in 2021 following its 2020 chart re-entry two weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Wonderful Christmas Time continues to receive substantial annual festival or festive airplay, although some music critics consider it one of McCartney's mediocre compositions. I disagree, I think, as a solo artist or comparing anything that he did with Wings. It, one of his best. Mm-hmm. I think one of his worst is the joint he did with Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, Four, five <laughs> seconds to my... And he barely is even in that song. No, he plays the guitar and he kind of hums in the back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what a weird uh, what a weird thing. <laughs> Anyways, Beatles author Robert Rodriguez has written of Wonderful Christmas Time. Love it or hate it, few songs within the McCartney Ovure have provoked mm. such strong mm. reactions. We learned a new yeah. word today. Ovure. Um, <laughs> including royalties from cover versions, it is estimated in 2010 that McCartney makes $400,000 a year from this song, nice. which puts it uh, its cumulative earnings at over $15 million. Bravo. Now, out of 10, I'd give it a 7.5 probably. I'll go with a. I'll go with an eight. <clears throat> you go with an eight. Yeah. All right, seven point seven five. Seven point seven five. It is pretty fucking good for that. Good, song. good Christmas song. All right, now number six number on the Misfits six. on vinyl Christmas uh, on the Miss 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 Christmas Twelve songs of Misfits. Yes, Christmas. This Christmas. This Christmas coming soon. Christmas coming soon. All right, number six is. Ariana Grande's Santa Tell Me. Santa Tell Me. If you really care, don't make me fall in love again because he won't be here next year. Santa Tell Me. If he really cares. All right. This song is good, too. It's so good. Uh, it, this one's actually a bop. Like, I, I, I didn't really know this one. Like, I, I had heard it before. I never had to give it, give it a thorough listen. But, man, is this song it's catchy. It's so good. It's super catchy. And, and you know what? Like, for a for a contemporary Christmas song, it really does hold up. Yeah, like, she's done well on she's this. She's done well. Yeah. So, this was released November 24th of 2014. It was written by Grande. Uh, it was written by three people, Ariana Grande, Isla, who wrote and uh, co-wrote and produced Problems with her and Jennifer Lopez's First Love. And uh, Savan Kocha, who co-wrote and I uh, I Can't Feel My Face and Love Me Like You Do by Ellie Golding. Nice. Uh, Santa Tell Me is a Christmas song with influences of pop and R&B. It was written in the key of G major. Uh, her vocal span from B3 to A5. Lyrically, the song features Ariana asking Santa to tell her if her new beau really cares and if he will leave her like men in the past have. Now, <laughs> very relevant for uh, the 2010s. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of ghosting happening there. Well, but not the ghosting of Christmas past, present, say, or future. One, one was a physical. <laughs> one actually became a ghost. So <laughs> that one's not on. That one's not her fault. Yeah, one actually became a, became a go- <laughs> ghost. So that one's not on her. <laughs> 
Oh, that's good. Oh, fuck. And one of them looks like a ghost yeah, still. So, yeah, you know, yeah. fucking hell. I, I, shortly after Mac Miller had passed away, like a month later, I, I tweeted, uh, 100 bucks says Mac Miller still looks better than Pete Davidson. <laughs> and I think that's still probably, probably. true. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, no, this was, <laughs> so some of them are not her fault. Uh, I give her that. Um, <laughs> Holy fucking hell. She doesn't have the Taylor Swift problem. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Um, okay, so Ariana used the hashtag 10 days till Santa tell me on Twitter to in- initiate the 10 days mm-hmm. countdown to the song's release. And she also performed the song for the very first time on November 18th of 2014 nice. at the 2014 A Very Grammy Christmas Concert in the Shrine Auditorium in L.A. Now, Robbie Daw of Idolator... Opined. <laughs> Never heard of that. Opined. <laughs> opined. Opined. Another new word. That's a new word. We're learning things. Uh, opined that the song was a cute, harmless stocking stuffer that ticks all the necessary boxes, and that there's a classic instrumentation, a hum, hummable chorus, mm. and lyrics that reflect a mixture of festive seasons with the possibility of heartbreak at the holidays. Nice. It. Uh, you know what? Good. Good fucking summary of the song. Mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion. Good summary. Uh, Brian Mansfeld of USA Today negatively compared it to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, further com- commenting that the song fell short in its attempt to become a seasonal staple, which he was fucking wrong about because it's become a seasonal staple. You hear no. it everywhere now. I like this song, yeah. yeah. No, I think he's wrong about <clears throat> that. I like it more than All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah. So. And and as we've uh, discussed, critics don't know what the fuck they're talking about. No. No, that's why we come in. That's and why save we the come day. in. Yeah, once we again. save the day. Yeah. So I mean, I'm giving this a, I'm giving this a good rating. Yeah, I'd say. I'm, I'm definitely gonna give this a good rating. Billboard ranked it as the as 13th in their hundredth best Christmas albums of all time, mm. and the song is the highest ranked among those released in this century. Suck it, Michael Bubble. Uh, <laughs> Santa Tell Me has recurrently charted in I several like nations way. every year since its original <laughs> release. It. You're wrong. Uh, in not, 2014, I'm not on board with this. In in the uh, in the United States, Santa Tell Me debuted at number 65, and it is just charted Michael every Bublé, fucking year you. that it's been out. Um, because every single year it just keeps coming back out on the charts. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, out of ten, what would we give it this one? Uh, I'm, I'm giving it a seven. Giving it a seven? Yeah. All right. I, I'll, I'll go seven, too. Yeah. I'll just make that one easy. Nice. All right. No math involved. No math involved, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> That's one less problem we have. <laughs> also, you said something about producing Jennifer Lopez's first love, and I was going to make a joke about, oh, I thought Ben Affleck was her first love. <laughs> Uh, he's also her new love. Yeah, they're married now. They're rekindled. Mm. The right. phoenix on his back is burning for Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Worst back tattoo I've ever seen. You know what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Worse than yours, dude. Dude, I got a yeah, pretty bad one. It's worse than yours. All right, so number seven on our Misfits of Christmas, mm-hmm. 12 Songs of Christmas. <laughs> uh, Coming soon. Is... Elvis's Blue Christmas. Uh, hey, oh, blue Christmas. Without you, I'll be so blue this Christmas. <laughs> All right, so this song was recorded September 5th, 1957, released October 15th, 1957. Written by Billy Hayes and J.W. Johnson, it was first recorded by Doy Odell in 1948 mm-hmm. and was popularized the following year in three separate recordings, one by country artist Ernest Tubb, who is fucking great. I love Ernest Tubb. 
Uh, one by musical conductor and arranger Hugo Winterhaller and mm. his orchestra chorus, and one by band leader Russ Morgan, Russ Morgan and his orchestra. Now, famously, Elvis didn't want to record it, so they did it in one take to make it weird. Nice. Uh, the late Millie Kirkham, the Nashville singer who sang soprano during the session, recalled Presley saying, Let's just get this over with. <laughs> nice. <laughs> During an interview at the Country uh, Music Hall of Fame and Museum, she said everyone involved in the recording had the same reaction. That's one record the record company will never release, she said. Presley's original 1957 version was released as a com- uh, uh, commercially available single for the first time in 64. The single also hit uh, in the UK, reaching number 11 on the British singles mm. chart in 64. And it was certified gold in Australia, Denmark, and the UK. Reached U.S. Billboard Christmas Singles number one, Hot 100 number 33, and Christmas Songs 55, Holiday 100 number 12. Nice. I like the song, but my favorite Elvis Christmas song is Malikalikimaka. Mmm. Yeah. I like that song because it makes me think of my favorite Christmas movie, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Nice. And I actually have a... Story involving my acting career Ooh. being Elvis. Ooh. So back when I was in elementary school, every grade did a play at Christmas. Every, and you did Mexican Elvis? Um, this, was one called, <laughs> this was one called Christmas Around the World. Ooh. And Elvis was actually alive and well, apparently, in this Christmas play. <laughs> and it was played by a nine-year-old who was very chubby. <laughs> Ooh. So I actually got on stage. I sang Jailhouse Rock, and I sang Malika Likimaka. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, exciting. All yeah, right. there you go. There's a little one of my many, many roles. What are we going to rate this one? I like the song, but I wouldn't say no, that it's a good song. I, I you don't, know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a five point five. So we're at a, a, a five point seven five on 5. this 5. one. Five point seven five, nice. All right, so number eight on the Misfits on nice. Christmas, Misfits Christmas vinyl, Misfits Christmas list is coming soon. Uh, Run DMC's Christmas in Hollis. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Christmas time in Green Hollis, Hollis Queens. Queens. Mom's cooking chicken and collard greens. Oh, it's so good. This is a fucking. This was macaroni and cheese. One of the and, and Santa lives gifts for you and me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is one of the very first hip hop Christmas albums or Christmas songs. Yeah. Released November twenty fifth, nineteen eighty seven. It was reco- rec- included on two. Uh, 87 Christmas compilation albums featuring various artists, A Very Special Christmas, and Christmas Rap. The title refers to Hollis, Queens, the New York City neighborhood in which the members of Rum DMC grew up. Now, Mm -hmm. when Bill Adler first asked Run DMC to contribute to A Very Special Christmas, the first in a series of various artist compilation albums he produced to benefit the Special Olympics, they refused. And then afterwards, (laughs) Bill was like... Uh, he was given the director of publicity at Rust Productions, uh, which managed Run DMC. He gave the band an idea for Christmas on Hollis, and they changed their minds. And they were nice. like, yeah, fuck it. Uh, other artists on that album included uh, Whitney Houston and Bruce Springsteen. Nice. This single was produced by Rick Rubin. Oh, fuck Fucking yeah. shout out to Rick Rubin. Once again. <laughs> He's the Phil Spector of our time. Uh, anyways. <laughs> minus the murder. Minus the murder. Uh, okay. Uh, it was released uh, as a single with Walk This Way, which nice. at the time, Aerosmith was not popular. <laughs> and they were actually playing like fucking 600 seaters. Yeah, they had a big fall from they Grace. They had a big fall from Grace, mm. and then th- that actually gave them a resurgence. 
And this single went fucking crazy because of the fact that it was uh, two-sided with, you know, Aerosmith. Okay, mm-hmm. now the music video for this was directed by Michael Holman, who wrote, produced, and directed Blue's Clues later in life. Nice. Which, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, no fucking way. And it was with cinematography by Mark Richardson, who became a props master on the Rob Zombie movie Halloween. What fucking different sides mm. of the spectrum. But they were both NYU film students at the time. Nice. And it features cameos by uh, uh, DMC's adoptive mother, uh, uh, Banna McDaniels. Now, Christmas and Hollis, the music video, went on to win Rolling Stone's Best Video of the Year Award in 1987, beating out Michael Jackson's Bad, directed by Martin (laughs) Scorsese. How fucking insane is that? So what I've just garnered from that section of the podcast is that Blue's Clues better than Scorsese. Yes. Really what you're getting at. Yeah, well, I mean, Steve from Blue's Clues? That makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And also... You know what? Shout out to Steve from Blue's Clues for yeah. coming back and giving us all that message during yeah, the pandemic. I was about to say that was a real sweet. That was a fucking sweet message. I love that shit. Yeah. Uh, I uh, fun fact about myself: I auditioned for the Blue's Clues uh, reboot. Nice. Yeah, I did not get it. Obviously, yeah, that's why we're doing this podcast. It's because you're not allowed that near children. Uh, that that is children. a part of it. Yeah, that yeah. is a part of it. Yeah. Little does everybody know. You piss blue. on one playground. You piss on one <laughs> playground, and they got to register every year. You pee on one child in a cart, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're a all right. R. Kelly, relax. <laughs> <laughs> Does R. Kelly have a Christmas song? Uh, probably, dude. That would be a bad one, I bet. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, he has a new single. I thought uh, he was in prison. He released an album. He released Wait, an album. what? Okay. One thing, sidebar. If if you ever have like three or four hours where you don't want to do anything, I recommend watching the entire Trapped in the Closet music videos. Mm. They're fucking amazing. If you have a like a really good chunk of time and you have no priorities in your life. Sit down and watch them because <laughs> there's a lot of curveballs. <laughs> Let's just say there's a midget involved. There's a gay pastor. Ooh. Lots of cheating. There's gun violence. There's yeah, R. Kelly, of course. Yeah, <laughs> which is the scariest of them all. Yes, um, yes. Okay, yes. so Christmas and Hollis peaked at number 31 on the UK hip-hop charts. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we rate this motherfucker out of 10? Ooh, I don't want to go too high just because there's some... We've, you know, we got to leave some room. we got to leave some room. Yeah. But I I feel like a good seven, seven and a half. Yeah, is, I would yeah. go with seven and a half. Yeah. I'd go with seven and a half. I think, like, lyrically especially, I'm like, I, every time I hear it, I just, I can't help but sing it. It's you a know? banger. It's, it's a, a banger. banger. Seven and a half. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Number nine on the Misfits on Christmas. <laughs> Misfits vinyl. vinyl <laughs> Misfits Christmas. Misfits vinyl Christmas. Number nine on the list. Joni Mitchell's River. <laughs> now. Change up in tone. Now, this was released... June of 71 on her album Blue. Written on the piano, it became a standard for artists in many styles, and it became popular as Christmas music. Although it was never released as a single, River holds second place among Mitchell's songs most recorded by other artists. Do you know what her first is? Uh... Big Yellow Taxi? Yeah, Yeah, it is. Also, did you know, this is a fun fact about Joni Mitchell, she played her very first live show in Calgary. Mm. At where Leopold's is now. I didn't know that. Yeah. And well, so, I didn't know that because you told me that last week, but yeah. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> and you know what's crazy about that? Yeah. Uh, Tea House is on that block, and I perform there every week. 
So I'm one step away from being Joni Mitchell. You have a Joni Mitchell origin story. I have a right Joni now. Mitchell origin story. All you need to do is catch polio, and you'll be yeah. And then <laughs> she remove, did have polio. Just remove my songs nobody listens to from Spotify. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really like Joni Mitchell. That kind of hurts that she did that. Yeah, that uh, that hurt me too. This r- river, um, most famously, is covered by Sarah McLachlan. Um, <laughs> which I've just been waiting to say that all episode. Sarah <laughs> McLaughlin, uh, she's got a cover of this, which also fun fact would have been circa 2005, 2006. Canadian Tire was giving out free Sarah McLaughlin Christmas <laughs> oh, albums. No. So we had it and my dad played it in the, in the Pontiac, Montana six player CD uh, changer. Oh, like every no. Christmas it didn't leave the fucking six oh, CD changer no. for like the next four or five years. Dude, I'm so, so sorry to I hear wish that. I had a river. I could skate away. That's how I felt when I was listening to it. <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin. Oh, I wish I had a river. It was so long. I could okay. teach my feet to now. You know what? I want you to actually keep singing while I do the facts, okay? <laughs> oh. The song wish is about a recent breakup of a romantic relationship with the singer longing to escape her power, her painful emotional bonds. It is thought to be inspired by Mitchell's 68 to 70 relationship with Graham Nash of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Although the song is merely set near Christmas time rather than being about Christmas, it has become something of a modern Christmas standard. Writer Bill, Will Blythe, Will Blythe, maybe related to my friend Tom Blythe, uh, believes the song is connected to a visit to Capitol Hill that Mitchell made with then boyfriend James Taylor, who Taylor Swift is named after. Name a James Taylor song. I don't know. I'm blanking. Fire and Rain. Fire That's the only rain. one I know. Okay, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of the Jody, Jody Mitchell lyrics. <laughs> and a caroling session with his family, the Taylor family, and Mitchell. It is certified gold in Canada. In 2011 and 2012, it was on the Canadian Adult Contemporary Chart number 41, the U.S. Holiday Digital Singles Billboard number 33. In 2021, it was ranked number... 247 on Rolling Stone's 500 Best Songs of All Time. Now, what would we rate this out of 10? I would give it a 7. Give it a 7? I'll give it an 8. 7.5. 7 and a half. All right. <laughs> now, number 10 on the Misfits on Christmas, Misfits <laughs> Christmas <laughs> Misfits album list is Tyler, the creator, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one. Now, this was released... October 24th, 2018. Nice. It's co-produced by Danny Elfman of Oingo Boingo and four-time Oscar-nominated composer. Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. Mm-hmm. Weird science. From my heart and from my soul. <laughs> <laughs> Weird science. <laughs> Weird dun, dun, science. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. On October 24th, 2018, it was announced that Tyler, the creator, would feature on the Dr. Seuss, the Grinch soundtrack, Creating a new song, I Am the Grinch, and also creating a hip-hop cover version of the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. Mm-hmm. Now, on November 15th, he announced on Twitter that he would be releasing Christmas songs themed around the Grinch on November 16th, and it was a six-song EP, music inspired by Illumination and Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Tyler commented that by making Christmas-themed music but not making it too Christmassy was the goal, and keeping seven-year-olds in mind, but also wanting the parents to listen also. It was separate from the Grinch soundtrack. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot to find about the Grinch soundtrack. Rolling Stone writer 
Brandon Klagenberg said, Tyler's offering an update of your mean one Minster Grinch is not going to climb the pop charts like Happy. It follows the same simple structure of the beloved original, which is, in essence, a mid-60s diss song about how gross the Grinch is, but adds (laughs) drums, strings, Tyler's unmistakable baritone, and a chorus chorus of children. I'm not Mm. saying I'm going to listen to it, but... Like a lot, uh, but there is some real tension to the song, and by the end, Tyler's proudness as a producer is plain. The single did not chart. I actually, one thing I say, like you said, his intention was to, you know, make a Christmas song not sounding so Christmas. It does sound like a Tyler the Creator song. Yeah. Like the from the beat the beat and everything, it sounds like a Tyler the Creator song, so I'm not... Uh... You're a mean one. You really are a heel. <laughs> he did a good job. It, it, he I, did. Yeah, I like it. I He did a better job than the movie did. Yes. Um, every, okay, now this is a generational thing. I fucking hate everything about the Grinch except for the 1960s cartoon. Okay, I, strangely enough, I agree. I do not, like controversial opinion here. Don't Don't flame us. The Jim Carrey Grinch it is sucks. not good. Yeah, it's not so good. bad. Not good. And you know what? So many people... <laughs> so many people are like the Grinch, you know, with Jim Carrey, and I'm like, no, I'm, uh, you know, the OG one, and they're like, because mm-hmm. they'll call the fucking Jim Carrey one the original one. I'm like, no, that's not the original no. one. That's a really bad one. I didn't like that movie. Benedict Come on Face is also not great. That oh, one is bad. Yeah. Come Co- on back. Com- sorry, coming batches. Yeah. Coming batches. Yeah. Um, okay, out of ten, what are we rating this one? I am giving it. A six and a half. Six and a half. Mm-hmm. All right. I will give it a six, so it's a 6.25. 6.25. All right. Number 11 on the Misfits on Christmas. Misfits <laughs> <five> <laughs> <on Misfits laughs> <on> Christmas <laughs> is... Coming soon. Johnny Cash's Christmas as mm-hmm. I knew it. This All is right. one I was not familiar with. This is uh, one that I think a lot of people were not familiar with. But I will say this. Funny enough, uh, uh, Siobhan didn't know the last song in our in our list mm. but she knew this one because her family is like super into like like they're super music heads right like they, yeah. they know a fuck ton of music so they listen to weird shit like when we did the chet baker episode uh and i was like yeah aaron didn't know who chet baker was she was like really he, he, he didn't even know the christmas album and i was like <laughs> i was like siobhan your family is the only one that listens to the christmas album like i was like that is not a that is not a regular thing okay so johnny cash's christmas as i knew it uh, recorded August 14th, 1959, released the 17th of September, 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it like, okay, so this was, uh, released, uh, on the 11th. Okay. So this was actually released on the 11th of September on his album, the Christmas spirit. It was recorded between then, um, because there was a lot of songs that were recorded in this time that were not released. They were just back cataloged. Yeah. Uh, this was his first Christmas album, but his seventh studio album, the album had four original Christmas songs written by Cash and eight tracks originally penned by other artists, including Blue Christmas and Little Drummer Boy, which had previously charted in 1959 on the singles chart, country singles at number 24. Mm-hmm. Little Drummer Boy is probably the one that everybody knows for like Johnny Cash yeah. Christmas songs. I picked this one because it's a, it's a, I think a deeper cut and it's a, it's a, it's a song that has a little bit more meaning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, a country folk song about a poor family at Christmas, as told in first-person perspective by Cash, about, like, not having, like, uh, you know, the uh, the farm didn't do well that year. They don't have money to, like, you know, 
give Christmas presents. Yeah. So they make dresses for the girls out of fucking flower sacks, and they have a meal, and they whittle each other toys, and mm-hmm. then they see that the family, like, down the road is, has it even worse than them, so they yeah. go and give them some, some coal, and, you know, it's a, it's a, a pretty fucking somber song. Mm-hmm. Um, co-wrote by June Carter and Jan Howard, who Jan Howard had 30 chart charting singles on the country chart. She was an Opry member and she had a super interesting life. She lost two children. Uh, she like in the midst of her career, she kept kind of having waves in her career, Mm -hmm. but she was a prolific songwriter. Uh, and it was produced by Don law who had produced Johnny Horton's battle of new Orleans and Marty Robbins, El Paso, which both topped the chart. Nice. Uh, this album charted at number seven on the U.S. Billboard Holiday Album Charts. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one because so I really I I, I like Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't familiar with this particular song, but it's like classic Cash. He's kind of talking, talking, singing like mm-hmm. it's it's really really nice. Like I I, I enjoyed it. Like, yeah, I I felt a personal connection to it. Yeah, I'm from a poor farm family you know so i Mm -hmm. i i that's the thing that i really related to johnny cash on even when i was a kid was the fucking songs where he would tell a story about you know uh people being fucking poor (laughs) but that's literally that's what made him popular it's a johnny cash song through and through it's storytelling it's you know like so i really enjoyed it i thought it was a nice one yeah um it was a nice surprise i don't hear a lot of christmas songs that i'd be like oh i never heard this one and I'm, usually it's like, oh, there's a reason why I've never heard this song. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really feel that way. So Yeah, and uh, okay, so rating this one, uh, I'd probably go like, I'd probably go 7.75. Yeah, I'll go 7.5. 7.5. Let's do the math. Oh, <laughs> 7.625. There we go. Repeating. Repeating. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Now, the last song on our Misfits on Christmas, Misfits, Christmas, Misfits, final 12 songs of Christmas. Coming soon. Is ACDC's Mistress for Christmas. Mistress for Christmas. Now, this one, I was actually surprised. That, like, a couple of people said they hadn't heard this one. Yeah, it's and not. it wasn't on, like, a Christmas album or anything. No, and, and it was released uh, on the Razor's Edge, which was kind of like a... It was a big bop comeback album for mm-hmm. them. Like, that, that album had Thunderstruck on it, which has become such a fucking iconic song at, at so many sporting events and stuff. I just remember it for bull riding, from bull riding, because, like, right before the bull riding would start, they would start playing it, and it just, every time I hear that song, I get my blood just gets pumped oh, a little dude, bit. it's a hype song. I'm like, nah. fucking, oh, I'm gonna fucking, I might die. That's what would go through my head mm-hmm. every time. Uh, so this was released September 24th of 1990. It's the fifth song on the band's 12th album, The Razor's Edge. Uh, which is the album with Thunderstruck, as I mentioned. The Razor's Edge peaked at number two on the Billboard 200s chart and stayed on the chart for 77 consecutive weeks. This was written by Angus and Malcolm Young. Nice. And the song takes the perspective of some money bags who want, uh, who, as the song states, want a side piece for the holidays. <laughs> uh, I want a mistress for Christmas. Now, this is the best part about it. So author... Murray Engelhart states in his band memoir, ACDC Maximum Rock and Roll, on songs like Mistress for Christmas, or Mistress for Christmas, Misfits for Christmas. That's what we should name this episode. <laughs> there you go. Misfits for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> uh, on songs like Mistress for Christmas and Money Talks, Malcolm and Angus showed their working class roots despite multi-million uh, millionaire selling albums by taking aim at high flyers in the business world. In February 1991, in an interview with Guitar World, Angus Young stated, 
I think the funniest song on the album is Mistress for Christmas. That song is about Donald Trump. He was big news at the time, so we thought we'd have a bit of fun and humor with it. Boy, if he thought he was big news in 1990, fucking imagine if he fucking, mm. you know, had written that song now. Yeah, no. Imagine if they made Home Alone 2 now. Ooh. It would be Elon. <laughs> yeah, it would probably be, be Elon. It would be Elon. And mm. it would be even more awkward acting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the bird lady, uh, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Money Talks is a good song too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Money Talks is a good song. I, I haven't listened to ACDC in a long time. You know what's funny is like ACDC. It's like uh, I think that a lot of people uh, kind of disregard them because they're like, oh, they're just like fucking. Oh, they're so overplayed and stuff, but it's like there's kind of a reason for it. They, yeah, well, I remember my dad had a, the album with Back in Black on it. Ooh, and, yeah, yeah, uh, Back in Black. Yeah, well, that's the album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's got Hell's Bells, and they got, I've got big balls. Yes, You've you. got big balls. Shook me out. <laughs> and he's no. got the biggest balls of them all. <laughs> you ever heard that song? Yeah, dude. <laughs> my balls are so big and voluptuous. And and that's also the album with Shoot the Thrill on yes. it. Yes. Uh, my favorite, my personal favorite, uh, uh, is, uh, for those about to rock, mm-hmm. uh, I loved the album art. It's just that, like, kind of, uh, bronze with the fucking cannon on mm-hmm. it. The uh, opening song for those about to rock is just so fucking good. That, like, that, that, about to rock. that just guitar intro, just that. No, there's something, there's something, there's something badass about, like. Being like nine or ten years old and fucking in the hockey room about to go play hockey and someone mm. plays puts the dad's put on Thunderstruck and oh. you're like so hyped, dude. You're gonna go fucking go out and like yeah, no, there's something hype about that. ACDC definitely has the hype rock down. The big stadium rock deal. Oh, a hundred percent. Have you ever seen them live? I have not. I was so bummed that I did not get to. They they played Commonwealth a couple of years ago. I yeah, remember. and they also yeah. had Axel Rose as their vocalist for a while. Really? Eh? Uh, yeah, to fill in, um, which is crazy because they. It was it was Guns N' Roses opening for ACDC, and Axl Rose was doing both fucking nice. two-hour shows. Craziest thing I ever saw when we're talking about vocalists is uh, Marilyn Manson blew off a fucking concert in Toronto. It was supposed to be him and Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie did both Marilyn Manson's set and then his own set. Oh, that's cool. And uh, you know what? Hearing Rob Zombie do Marilyn Manson songs actually made them tolerable. There like, you go. they were way better when. Well, like, you know, you know for a fact that Marilyn Manson would have been drunk off his ass, too. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he might have fucking. That guy's a piece of shit, Punched too. some lady. We're, of we're living IHOP. up to our fucking tradition of bringing up shitty people. <laughs> we really <laughs> like are. Like, three shitty people an episode. You know what's hard, yeah. though, is, like, honestly, there's a lot of shitty people in music, so it's hard to not shit on them. Yeah. It, you know what the exception is? Uh, the Sunstrokes and the Doohickeys and mm-hmm. the Vitos. And Band-Aid. They really did a lot <laughs> for Africa that Christmas. <laughs> okay, I uh, one thing that I want to talk about with ACDC before we wrap this up. So I mentioned it like, you know, it would, it, they'd play ACDC before the bull riding, right? And uh, one time I was traveling, like, because I, I did multiple rodeo events. I, yes. I rode uh, Bronx, Barebacks, and Bulls. And so I was traveling with uh, uh, some Bareback riders, and we were talking about, like, hype songs in the, in the van. I was, like, I don't know, like 14 or 15. And... Uh, one of the guys that was in the bareback riding, which is the first event in rodeo, right? Like mm-hmm. they always have like the bareback bronc is the first event because it's it's exciting and it gets people into yeah, it, it but it's some... it's not like it's not the bull riding. Like mm. bull riding always has to be last because you can't fucking follow it. It's like it's the you know it's pinnacle, the sickest thing in rodeo. It, it's yeah. the sickest fucking thing. It's the most dangerous. It gets the crowd hyped. Anyways, he's like 
we were talking about hype songs, and he's like, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, you, you know, you're lucky as a bull rider because you get to you get to ride to ACDC. I got to ride to Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Let's go, girls. <laughs> All right. Well, All righty. Twelve songs of misfits yeah, on Christmas. One. That was a fun one. It's the 12 songs of Misfits on Christmas. Misfits for Christmas. All right. I wish I had a misfit. <laughs> you know what's going to be amazing is that our our show starts with a couple of beautiful songs, mm-hmm. and it ends with a couple of beautiful songs. Yeah. And I guess we're going to – we mentioned this last episode, but uh, I'm not sure exactly what the plan is. But are we taking a break over Christmas here? What's the deal? You know what? I feel like – okay, so we have to we have to record one for the first week of January. Yeah. But I don't think that we're going to have anything out uh, the week that Christmas comes out. So this will be our last episode mm-hmm. until the new year because um, we are we want to just take some time off. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Uh, I guess I should probably mention – I'm. Doing Cold Lake on New Year's Eve. Nice. Uh, so come out to that. Uh, I'm also in Lethbridge the 20th to, and 21st of uh, January. So Very nice. Come out to that. And other than that, uh, yeah, I think we, we got we got a lot of exciting things coming up in we the We got a year. lot of exciting things. I cannot wait to, uh, you know, show you guys what we got going on. I'm um, excited for uh, when we spill the guests. Yeah. Honestly, that's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be um, a lot of really cool people walking through these doors or Skyping in. Skyping in, mostly. Yeah, in mostly, but, but. Uh, we, we will have a couple of in-persons. Uh, yeah, so happy holidays. Merry Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year and uh, anal contusions. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's misfitsonvinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.